Hello, and welcome to the Big Leads Press Pass podcast. I am your host, Liam McEwen, and today with us we have Mo DeKeel of Bleacher Report and The Athletic. Mo, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, no, Liam, thanks for having me, man. Uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, of course. I, I think so, too. So to start, as always, uh, how about you just kind of walk us through your journey from when you first realized that you wanted to be in sports media to how you got to where you are now writing for Bleach Report and podcasting for The Athletic? Yeah, my journey is a bit interesting than I think most just because I didn't want to start out doing sports media. I wanted to start out coaching. Uh, I worked at... Yes, I worked in college as a as a manager. My my goal was to work for at that time I wanted to be a college head coach. Then I got a good up close look at college basketball and decided, nope, I don't like college here, <laughs> so I'm going to take my talents to the NBA because that's how it works. You know, you just decide you go to the NBA and you go mm-hmm. uh, naturally. Um, you're right, but no, through through some luck and some really hard work, I got an opportunity to uh, intern for the Clippers video room uh mm-hmm. under neil o'shea I, I was part of the, the scouting department at first and eventually got more involved with the coaching side went to san antonio for two years uh after three years with the clippers then went back to the clippers after the nba lockout and was with them for three more years mm-hmm. then finally uh uh doc let me go at the end of his first season and i kind of was like i think i'm done with basketball altogether. And I and, and I fully left, took a regular job, uh, a, a nine to five job at a tech recruiting firm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just over time, I was like, man, I have so much basketball knowledge. Like it kind of just seems like a waste to to not share it with anybody. So I began to kind of start to explore and look into sports media in general, and understanding that my experiences. And my knowledge and understanding of the game could be could provide some interesting, useful uh, stuff for for other other writers. Mm-hmm. Like I, I actually really thought, like you know what, I'm just going to help other writers. You know, and I thought maybe that's that's my way into it. And eventually, uh, off of some advice from some friends, you know, I just I just went and started my own website, and you know, uh, started a website called thejumpball.net. Uh, the writing was quite terrible. <laughs> I was the I was the writer and the editor, and I'm not a very good writer, which probably means I'm not a good editor either. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so if you go through it, you'll probably find a ton of uh, uh, grammatical errors, spelling errors, and all sorts of things. But the content that I always thought was good, and um, from from there, after I think two years of doing that, actually having my own podcast. Uh, hosting my own podcast through the, the website, I uh, got, uh, let me think real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm getting old, so I can't remember <laughs> as much as I used to, or like the order of operations. Um, last season, Neil Greenberg from the Washington Post, who runs the Fancy Stats page, reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested in doing some freelance work for them, um, which I immediately jumped on. That mm-hmm. was you know, the, one of the biggest opportunities I could have asked for, and and I wrote a couple pieces for them that that ended up on the Washington Post, which was quite a trip, man. Like you know, <laughs> it, it, it was weird because the little side note, Liam, is just kind of funny. Like when I first was talking with with Neil, 
I didn't really when he said he was running the fancy stats page. I just assumed it was like a a website just backed by the uh, Washington Post. I actually didn't do a ton of research when I started to write for him. I was just like, oh, I'm going to get paid a pretty good amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and and then when my first article posted. And he sent me the URL, and the URL was, you know, www.washingtonpost.com, and then all the million other things that go into it. Mm-hmm. I kind of just leaned back and was like, it was almost uh, Keanu Reeves-like in The Matrix, where I was just like, whoa. <laughs> you are the chosen one. This, yeah, I was like, this is, this is that guy. I'm like, this is the actual Washington Post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got to write there, and... and, and do that stuff, and that was a great experience. Just working with an editor mm-hmm. on a on, on a regular basis, and I had warned Neil ahead of time. I'm like, man, you're you're gonna find a lot of bad errors in my stuff. Hopefully, I'll get better over time. But let's you know, but be prepared. And just learning, you know, the oh, I thought an article was done, and then it'd come back with like, no, no, we want you to add this, or here are some revisions, or this mm-hmm. part doesn't work, or this does like a whole bunch of stuff where I was like, oh wow, it's um, the concept, you, you, right? Just, yeah, it's such a concept, you know. Um, and, and, and once I realized that, it, it was awesome. And then this uh, past summer, I was at Summer League, and um, the editors from Bleacher Report, Chris Trencher, uh reached out and, and, and wanted to meet. And him and I had a conversation in Summer League. Coincidentally, during that earthquake in Summer League, I don't know if anybody remembers that. Oh, yeah. You know, so I like to think that, you know, I was so impressive that I actually shook the ground. <laughs> Truly an earth-shattering and, and, impression for you. Yeah, and I think, and I felt like Chris was like, wow, dude, this guy has powers. We got we gotta, <laughs> <laughs> to write some stuff for us. Uh, you know, but I got to, uh, you know, he, he reached out later and said, hey, man, I'd love to have you do some freelance stuff for us, you know, kind of almost on a, a regular basis, and, and that's sort of how it ended up at Bleacher Report. I mean, that's the the, the gist of it, really. Mm. Well, yeah, that's quite a journey, complete with an earthquake and some, like, godlike, uh, godlike powers coming down. I mean, that's 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10 origin story right there. <laughs> I mean, we, we can't really prove I'm not a superhero yet. Definitely cannot prove that you are, but also definitely cannot prove that you're not, so it's important for our listeners yeah. to keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, no, that sounds that's uh, quite quite a an adventurous path for somebody in this industry. So one of the interesting things I was thinking about when you were talking about you were a video coordinator and you were kind of inside the league, right? You were an employee, you were in, yeah. embedded with the team, all that good stuff. What was your view of sports media during that time? So that's that's kind of the funniest thing, you know. Early on in my career with the Clippers. Somebody leaked some big information about Sean Livingston's injury, mm-hmm. right? And this is, you know, oh God, I can't remember the year, but it, it was probably like my second year in the league. Uh, and, you know, Coach Dunleavy sat all of us down, like all the support staff together down and basically just lit everybody up. And he's like, if anybody is caught leaking, any information, you know, we're firing you on the spot. So I was terrified. Leave. At that <laughs> yeah. point, I was just like, yo, I ain't ever talking to a single media member <laughs> ever. And it 
was funny because at that point I had um, I had gone to USC and mm-hmm. one class I had taken at USC was a sports commentary class taught by Professor J. A. Adande, who everybody knows, you know, mm-hmm. LA Times, ESPN Around the Horn, now runs the journalism sports journalism program in at Northeast uh, Northwestern. Northwestern. Right? Northwestern. Yeah. There you go. yeah. I don't want to cross that. Definitely don't want to make that. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to cross them up and then have a, a whole that enemy before I start. Yeah. Uh, earthquake or no earthquake, they'll be coming after you. Yeah. So like I knew I knew him well before I was in the league, and then you know it was it was just every now and then we'd bump into bump into each other at Staples Center. We would talk for a split second, but I was always looking over my shoulder, going like man, who's watching? Like, I'm going to get fired just talking to Jay. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so I never, but I didn't have, like, any sort of antagonizing opinions of the media. I understood they had a job to do. Obviously, there are times where I fully dis- disagreed with their opinions, mm. and there are times where, like, I was like, oh, you know, they have a point. Um, but it's also different when you're on a team, you're a little more sensitive. Yeah. It, it, you know, and, and, when I'm working for Coach Dunleavy and people are, are, you know, trying to be like, man, the Clippers really need to fire Dunleavy, I'm like, that might ruin my job. So <laughs> stop saying that. You know, uh, and so you kind of have that experience in that sense. But, you know, overall, I mean, it's a relationship that both need each other. You know, the teams need the media guys to kind of continue with the stories and, and, and put good mm-hmm. stuff out there and, and, you know, and vice versa, obviously the media needs the, the teams because they're the story. Yep. So it, it, it's a relationship. Sometimes it can be adversarial, and sometimes it's it's it, it's a friendly thing. So, you know, um, but, you know, I always just understood everybody had to do their job. I just knew I was never talking to a media member <laughs> about anything important. Yeah, that sounds uh, very like a very intimidating spot to be in, especially it's sec- your second year in yeah. the job, you know. That's uh it's jarring, you could say. But yeah, yeah so. Oh, it was. It was, I, I was like, I get fired for. I was like, nope, <laughs> I'm not doing this. No, thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, you lasted that long, so clearly you weren't the leaker. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't. And the funny thing is, Liam, it actually hurt me in the long run now that I'm in the sports media world. Oh, yeah? You, you know, because you think about it, if I had gotten out and had. I could have reached out to a lot more people about advice and things like that. You know, when, mm, when, yeah. when I started writing again, I was basically starting from scratch mm. uh, and, and, and figuring this all out and didn't have a mentor or somebody I could lean on and ask questions to that I felt like had I been a little friendlier with the media myself um, in my days, I probably would have had maybe a little bit of an easier time uh, going through the, the adventures in sports media to begin with. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense as far as the relationship building aspect goes, but focused on keeping your job is probably priority one, and then priority two will become the relationships. But so kind of on that vein, um, you know, obviously going from video coordinating to working for a tech recruiting firm to writing, I mean, those are like a lot of different brain muscles that you're flexing. And so when you first started getting back into writing and thought about building a career of it, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced, right, like in those early stages? Yeah, it's, you know, what's interesting is what the biggest challenge for me, and even still now, 
what I find interesting may not be interesting to anybody else. Like, I'm a video coordinator nerd. Like, mm. you know, what I might find, like, oh, my God, this, this minute detail that, you know, Daniel Tice is doing on a screen <laughs> is totally worthy of a blog post. Mm. You know, but then you, you, you send it to your editors, and they're like, why is Mo <laughs> talking about Daniel Tice and this one screen? <laughs> like, you know, like, that, that, those are the challenges of, like, what I have to find. What do I find interesting mm-hmm. and important to talk about that will also have be interest on a mainstream level? You mm-hmm. know, like there's a lot of cha- challenges just on that where, you know, is this going to be an interesting topic? And is it something other people want to know about? Is it something that nobody's really covered? Or am I looking at it in a way that's different than that, the way other people have talked about this already? It, mm-hmm. It's kind of trying to figure all of that out instead of just regurgitating stuff that's been written already and, and everybody's saying, you know, I think that's a challenge. And then the other thing that's also a, a challenge for me is trying to talk very technically, mm-hmm. but in a way that's relatable for the casual fan to understand. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, 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 every now and then a friend of mine will be like, man, I tried to read your stuff, but I just didn't understand it. Like, that actually hurts me. Mm-hmm. You know, because I want to try to, I want I want somebody to be able to understand it and, and help pull in a casual fan and help elevate their knowledge a little bit. Um, on the flip side, every now and then I get a message of like, man, I really learned something from that article. I, I'm through the moon, you know, when, mm-hmm. when I hear that. So it's, it's a little bit hard sometimes for me, whereas I can probably just assume everybody knows the lingo mm-hmm. because I've lived in this lingo for, you know, 18 years, you know, mm-hmm. from, from college, you know, I just assume everybody knows what I'm talking about when I talk about icing the pick and roll. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then realizing later, like, oh, like that's only like <laughs> a very, very, very small percentage of the people who know that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so I think sometimes that becomes an issue of, of, of trying not to talk over people's heads sometimes is, is another challenge I've found. Yeah, that was the thing that uh, I was thinking about, actually, when I was uh, looking at your profile before we talked, because going most of the reporters that I've talked to, you know, they're coming from a journalistic background usually, but at the very least, these guys are fa- these guys and these women are fans of the sports that they're covering. And so they write from they like started writing from that fan perspective. And then it makes it easier to like write stories that other fans can understand because they're all kind of coming from the same place. But you went from being like inside the game to writing about it for the casual fan, which I thought was an interesting dichotomy. And it sounds like, you know, there's some trip ups with it, but it also sounds like it's beneficial. Yeah, I mean, hopefully I can find a way to merge the two. Right. And yeah. and, and help fans kind of elevate their knowledge like that's my ultimate goal and write stuff that's really interesting and, and engaging and and, and, or, and and a way in which people are like, oh, I've never looked at it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or I, I have a better understanding of why it's important still to post up or, or you know, or, or cutting off the ball or things like that. Like, that's, if I can do that, man, Liam, I'll be a happy man. <laughs> and you'll have some happy readers, too. Everybody likes to learn a little something when they're reading. I hope so. 
I'm banking on it. <laughs> yeah, kind of the foundation of where you're coming from. So uh, fingers crossed for you. I'll knock on wood for you. Um, I appreciate it. Ah, well, of course. Now, moving on to just some general basketball questions. You, you know, said it yourself. You're a film junkie. You're a video guy. Who is your favorite superstar to watch on tape this season? And who's your favorite, like, non-superstar, more of a lesser tier kind of guy to watch on tape? Oh, man. My, there's just so many, Liam, uh, that I love to watch. I... It, it, that's, a, that's a really hard question. You'd think I would just have one automatically, but it's still fun to watch LeBron mm. when LeBron goes off. Um, you know, like, I, I've i been lucky to get credentials for games, and, and, and being at the Laker-Pelicans game, not this one that just passed on Sunday, but the, the one a few a couple games before that mm. in L.A., and watching, like, just LeBron sort of take over and operate, like, it's fun watching him at this age. Kind of, you just look away and go, "Still got it, man. Mm-hmm. He still got it." Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and and it's not like I thought he had lost it or anything, but it's just fun to watch him take over. And really, anytime a superstar is just in the zone, I love watching it. When you're watching, you know, KD cook, you know, when he's healthy, or when Steph Curry was going through that run of just being phenomenal, you know that when he won the unanimous MVP, like, mm. just fun watching these guys perform at their very best, you know, like, I, I love it, and it's one of my favorite things, and it's fun to, it's going to be fun to watch guys, you know, Giannis is at that level now, you know, watching a guy like Luka Doncic grow, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the young kids, like, we're all excited about Zion, like, let's be honest here, right, if you're not, you're not a basketball fan, and you need to go watch Batman or something, <laughs> but, um, you know, and I think that's the area where it gets really interesting. I just think there's so many guys. It's funny to me, everybody talks about ratings and things like that. I go like, man, I don't know why people aren't watching this. This is some of the this is the best basketball has been in years, you know, with just the amount of talent we have across the board. So um, that's my question to the superstars. It's all of them, I guess, Liam. Uh, yeah, you can't, can't go wrong. You can't. You can't if you pick them all. Exactly. Uh, in terms of like guys that just like that are kind of off the radar, and this is going to be a real abstract one. Okay. I've always loved Jalen Brunson of the okay. with the Dallas okay. Mavericks. That's exactly one, what I'm looking one, for. One all right. Villanova. Yep. Yeah, like the dude just makes plays. Like he just makes winning plays. They don't always show up on the stats or whatnot, but he's just there. And you, mm. you just, I watch him and I'm like, man, this dude's just a winner. Like, that's a dude I want on my team. It's, it, you know, he's like, this is what PJ Tucker looked like his first couple of years in the league in terms of like just affecting the winning and, and, and providing stuff. So, mm. you know, I, I really love watching Jalen Brunson and I do love watching me some good PJ Tucker, man. Mm. Yeah, P.J. Tucker is a lot of fun to watch. Jalen Brunson I'm going to have to watch more of. I loved him coming out of Nova, but kind of got lost in Carlisle's point guard, never-ending rotation there. So it's interesting to watch him. But, yeah, that's exactly the kind of answer I'm looking for. And it kind of led me to this next question of when you're watching film, right, 
do you usually go when you bring up clips or you're bringing up a game? Do you usually go in with a specific idea in mind of like I want to watch this guy to see what this guy is going to do in this situation, or do you just kind of let the game play and if what your eye catches something, then you kind of roll with it from there? You know, it's a hard question to answer, Liam, because it's 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 kind of all of it. Mm-hmm. Like there are always times I go into a game going like man, I haven't seen enough of so-and-so. And I, I, I never feel like I've seen enough of somebody, <laughs> um, except for the Lakers or Clippers, because I go to pretty much most of their home games, so mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen them enough. But yeah. there's always other guys who I don't feel like I've seen enough and I'm, and I'm missing something somewhere. Um, but, you know, so, so there's that. There's, an, there's definitely an element of I want to see how they handle certain situations. And then there's always something that just surprises you. Um, like I just, I've seen the Clippers a ton. You know, the last game I went to, they pulled out a one-two-two zone, and I uh, a one-two-two. I'm sorry, three-quarter press. This is how I get over the top, right, and, and knock over people's heads. Mm-hmm. But they put out a, 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 a three-quarter press on on the, uh, the the Sixers, and I hadn't seen them do it. And I watched it, and it just opened my eyes, going like, "Oh my God, they can really wreak havoc." <laughs> yeah with teams with this press and I was like if they do this a lot like oh I'm gonna love this but it's like you know that just <laughs> caught my eye it yeah. was something I had no expectations of I hadn't seen them do it I guess they had done it early in the year but I had missed it um but I saw that and it just opened my eyes to a whole other world and I'm just like that's amazing and for like 10 minutes in my brain I'm the game's going but I'm just thinking constantly about that press mm. so <laughs> You know, uh, I think there's it's a little bit of everything, and I I try not to go in with a preconceived notion because that's how you end up with a with a bad. You, you walk away not yeah. seeing something or or missing something. You know, if I can, I'd prefer going in completely blank and be like, I'm just gonna watch the game and whatever mm. happens happens. Well, that's a good way to go about it, and that three quarter three quarter press will be in your dreams in the future from the sounds of it so that's good oh i loved it man i got more film queued up i'm like i was all in on it (laughs) if if only if only there was a camera on my face catching my jaw dropping going like oh my god local basketball fan astounded by three quarters press he'd be a meme instantaneously So finally, you said you go to your at most of these Clippers Lakers games. It feels like they're on an inevitable collision course to meet at some point in the playoffs, whether it's the semis or the conference finals. If that happens, who are you taking in the battle for Los Angeles? Are you taking the Clippers or are you taking the Lakers? God, it's it's a tough question because there's it's really a battle of like pure talent and then chemistry. Mm-hmm. I think the Lakers have just better on court chemistry. They've been relatively healthy for the almost the whole year and 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 they feel very connected to each other the clippers have the more talent and and we all know an nba talent wins out Mm -hmm. and it's a question of how do they have enough time to to really have developed that on the core chemistry because they've only played like eight or nine games fully healthy which is kind of an absurd stat for a team that's sitting second in the west um but, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'd probably go Clippers just because I think they have more firepower. And I'm telling you, man, that press, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> No, I just think they have more firepower at the end of the day. They have more weapons 
that they could throw offensively, and they have plenty of guys defensively that can cause problems. But, you know, it's going to be a close series because I don't think LeBron's going to go down quietly. Most certainly not. And I think the interesting thing about, like, that whole series, it's like it's talent versus chemistry, like you said. And the top two dogs for both teams, it's interesting. Like, Kawhi and LeBron are kind of a push, more or less. I mean, you get down to the nitty-gritty. It's not quite that simple, but we call it that. And then it comes down to AD and Paul George. And AD is such a different player in every respect than Paul George. It's like an interesting clash of styles as well. And I'm really excited. I really (laughs) can't wait for the playoffs. Uh, It's going to be fun, man. And, And... Don't get me wrong, I'm definitely rooting for the two teams to meet in the conference finals just so that I don't have to travel anywhere to go yeah. check out conference yeah. finals games. That makes life extremely easy when every conference finals game is in the same building, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a lot. I mean, granted, I'll just be living at Staples Center at that point, but yeah. Uh, yeah. it'll be worth it. An appropriate place for the former film coordinator, I'd say. All right. Yeah. Um, on to the last part, just some quick little lighter, lighthearted questions. What is your favorite place to eat in Los Angeles? Oh, man. Yeah, it's a toughie, I know, um, so take your L- time. LA has so many great food places. It's it's amazing. You know, the, the thing is, there's... God, I'm, I'm, I can't even... I don't even remember the name of it, but there's a Korean barbecue place uh, on 8th Street that has like a two hour wait. Wow. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. It is, and, and, and I wish I could remember the name. I just call it, you know, I just say it's that Korean barbecue place. <laughs> uh, well, if there's it's a. Phenomenal. I mean, if there's a two hour wait, then I think calling it the Korean barbecue place, like most people probably know what you're talking about. So. Yeah, I mean, no, and, and, and the thing is, it's so good. You're willing to wait those two hours. All right, well, I'll have to take you know, your word for that. <laughs> uh, you know, what, 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 when you put this out, I'll, 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 I will tweet out the name because I'll, I'll Google it to make sure I have it. I'm, I'm sorry, any listener that's on their way to L.A. You'll have to find <laughs> out on Twitter the name of it. Uh, You're but gonna, it's, uh, just going to have to follow us, so no. Yeah, it's a tough break. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love a good Korean barbecue place. Okay, okay, good answer. What's, the, uh, what's your favorite NBA arena that you've been to? for a variety of reasons. Yeah, there's, God, there's some good ones. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit run down and they need a renovation. But, you know, Madison Square Garden's magical. Mm-hmm. You know, it has that feel to it. It, 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 it will, if they can somehow find the way to just put a good Knicks team <laughs> together for a while, like, it'd be a lot of fun because that, that arena has a lot of like history and it, 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 it's just a lot of fun there. And I think, you know, that's probably my favorite one. And that's, that's, you know, not including Staples. I do, I do actually really like Staples, um, but partly because I'm there all the damn time and, and, and I know most of the staff, yeah. so it's all right. But, um, but Madison Square Garden's awesome, you know, and, and it's, it's one of the best. I think that it needs a renovation, needs a lot of touch-ups and things like that. But, you know, when it's going, it's great, man. You know, and and, and the guard, everybody's going nuts and everybody's fired up and things. It's just can't. It's magical, man. You can't. You can't lose that. Yeah, it's tough to beat it. I mean, the Knicks being bad is sad, and you know, New York City deserves a good team, but still, they got Madison Square Garden, so you know, not all is lost. 
Um, what's right. what's something about this job that you now have that you wish you knew back when you were thinking about transitioning from the tech recruiting firm to sports media? Something, anything that you wish you knew? The 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 one thing I wish I knew, and I guess it doesn't translate to. Rec- I mean, it, it's the same problem you, you had in recruiting, but it's the amount you're sitting. Yeah, you're sitting for it's such a dumb thing, but you're <laughs> sitting for so long typing and. And, and, you know, at least when I was a video coordinator, I'd be on the court for practice, run mm-hmm. around with the guys and, and warm up. At least I was moving a lot more. And then the other thing, and this is something I didn't realize, and I got to give writers more credit for, um, and, and, and it's a little bit different also with changed with the addition of most people doing podcasts now, mm-hmm. is how it really is kind of a 24-7 job. Also, you know, writing as well. I mean, even if you're not breaking news, but I'm up early in the morning watching film. I'm on podcasts mm-hmm. a lot. I'm, 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 I'm writing. I'm on my way to Staples Center. Like, there are times where I look and I just realize, like, man, we're, the whole day went and I didn't even eat lunch because I've been, you know, doing all these mm-hmm. different things. I didn't even notice. And for me to skip a meal is pretty <laughs> big there, Leah. Uh, you know, so it's like, it, it kind of just, how much work goes into all of it and in that sense and, and it's opened my eyes and it's that I thought it was easy or anything to be a writer or anything like that but I didn't think it was as busy as it is mm. and you know um, that, that's been eye opening for me yeah absolutely and finally what's something about this job that you feel like other people don't know or they don't really understand that we're not trying to necessarily we're, we're not we don't hate your team <laughs> and we don't love your team like you know granted we're all, we've all at one point grew up as a fan that's how we ended up in this one way or another mm-hmm. but you know if I criticize something it's not because I hate the Houston Rockets or <laughs> anything like that you know or I have some sort of vendetta against uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves or anything or, or the Toronto Raptors or whatever. It's just like, no, this is just observations I'm making. Sometimes they're positive, sometimes they're negative. And I don't think I've met... There might be some who, who we would classify as homers, but for the most part, mm-hmm. I don't. I haven't met a lot of people who have felt like, man, they just have an agenda and only care about pushing this one narrative. Um, I think there are people that do that in the media, but for the most part, a lot of us don't. And I think we kind of get pushed, people just sort of push us that way. And I think that's something you see a lot on, like, Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. We see a lot of people, like, tweet out, oh, this guy only does this. Or, like, the funny thing is, like, when I first started out, just because I worked for the Clippers, people just assumed I was a Clipper guy. (laughs) You you know? And and, and, and if I tweeted something negative about the Lakers were doing something I thought was was bad, they're like, oh, you're just a Clipper homer. I was like, actually, no. Not really. I'm really not. (laughs) Like... I go, granted, I worked there and everything, but they also fired me, so it's not like I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I have real special, not, like, not a lot know, of love it, lost. It, you know, so it's, but it's just like, I just love basketball. That's mm-hmm. all I love. Yeah. And, 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 and so like the, the thing of where everybody just seems to think like everybody positive or negative, it's, it's pushing it because we're doing it because we're just a fan of this team and we're going to, we're in cahoots with the team and trying to mm. hide stories or whatnot. It's really not the case. We're a big conspiracy, um, man. It always is. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I think some people get upset about certain things. And you're just like, all right, well, you know, 
can't really help you there, guys. This is, sorry, this is just my opinion. This is this is you know this is what I'm seeing. If you want to roll with me on it, great. If not, okay. Um, but I think that's kind of the big misconception I think that people have. Yeah, it's like the uh, one of the intro parts of uh, Zach Harper's weekly power rankings over at the Athletic. There, no, I do not hate your team. <laughs> Important asterisk for all kind of rankings like that. I, I I like to push it another way, going like, yes, I hate your team, and I hate all the other twenty nine teams. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's I think that, that's that. the right angle. There it is. That's the angle. It's not that I. It's not that you dislike your team, especially you dislike it as much as every other team. That's yeah. I think that's yeah. the way to do it. Equal hate spread around, Liam. Exactly. That's, that's what I push. <laughs> Equality in all forms. You're a good guy, Mo. Uh, that could be debatable. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to save that for another time because we have reached the end of our time here. Mo, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Oh, no. Thank you for, for having me on, Liam. Oh, yeah, absolutely appreciate you coming on here with candor and honesty about your story. It's quite an adventure, and I'm sure there's uh, some video coordinator out there who will listen to the podcast and realize that he, too, can achieve his dream of being a writer who gets criticized on Twitter. So. Man, stay in the video room, bro. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, video room or no video room, thank you, listener, for tuning in once more, and I will catch you next time.